2: After a very lengthy, exhaustive search, the Portland Trail Blazers have a new GM. That's sarcasm. I'm Aaron Fentress. This is the Blazer Focus (laughs) Podcast. I'm joined along with Craig Bernbach. And of course, the Blazers conducted no sort of search for a GM. They have elevated their interim GM to GM. That is Joe Cronin, as you well know. We will talk about that on the Blazer Focus Podcast, as well as the fact that next week I will be in the Chicago Uh, the city of Chicago to watch the Cubs for at least two nights Uh, that is my main plans and while I'm there I will drop in (laughs) on the NBA lottery and uh, probably attend some draft combine events and maybe do some interviews along the way as long as they can be held at Wrigley Field simultaneously with a Cubs baseball game anyway uh, Craig how are
1: you how are you been? You I'm good. good and I, I, here's what I love is that I'm somehow in a conversation and in a podcast with somebody more sarcastic than me. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's
2: ever happened. You know, like, you are definitely more sarcastic than me. It's an, it's an adjustment. Okay, so we're going to talk about Cronin's elevation. We're going yeah. to talk about the lottery next week. And we're also going to go through, uh, I've been doing some player reviews, pre- uh, previews for the upcoming season, offseason, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone the roster. And it was a lengthy roster this year because they played so many damn players. <laughs> so instead of you looking at, like, 12 to 15, I think I've, I've looked at maybe – it's going to be like 18 when I'm done, I think, or something ridiculous like that. But anyway, we'll go through the players I've written about already. There's a few I haven't written about, but we'll talk about them anyway. But first, let's talk. start with the big news since the last time we talked, and that is the fact that Joe Cronin is now the GM, four-year contract. He was made the interim back in December when Neil Olshey was fired. Uh, it was said at the time that there was might be a search and that Cronin was sort of on-the-job training get the first crack at proving himself. Of course, a search has never taken place. They let Cronin pretty much run amok and do whatever he wants. He's trading players all over the place, left and right, taking the team. But he got under the tax, which kept him out of the repeater tax situation, which I'm sure Jody Allen was very happy to see. And because of that, and because obviously they believe in his plan, he is now the permanent GM, four-year contract. What say you, Craig? Well, I I will say that... You talk about the big
1: news. It was like, could you have less big news? Like it just like it's like they no press conference, no nothing. Just like here's a release, and yeah. oh by the way, uh, Joe Conan is our permanent GM. So just like you, just like everyone thought, we're not gonna we're not gonna name a new GM. You know, a week before the lottery. Um, I just think that we knew that this was happening just because nothing else was happening. Uh, we didn't hear right, exactly. about. You didn't hear anything. Uh, You know, you, if not Aaron Fentress, some other reporter in the country that, you know, has their eyes and ears on another franchise would have known if the Blazers reached out to somebody else. Um, So without hearing any of that, Even schmoes like you and I could have done the math, which is (laughs) if you're not talking to anyone else and you got an interim GM that you've given this power to, eventually you're going to take the interim off. And you could do that when you own the team. Um, So, and look, I've, you know, personally, I like Joe Cronin. He's always been nice ever since, you know, when he was even an intern. And and there was a time when he did, for media, he did a little uh, thing, uh, basically salary cap 101 for, for us to kind of figure out how the salary cap works, uh, we know he knows how to do that. Um, so it's not a, it's not a bad. It's a. I get why Joe Cronin's the GM. What I don't get is why they didn't, why not kick in the tire, why not kick some tires. But at the, that said, maybe all along their plan was no matter what happened with Neil O'Shea, because it's not like there weren't times when O'Shea might have could have laughed or was talking about possibly leaving maybe they always knew they wanted this guy they wanted joe to take over uh but he's got look it's he did a lot of stuff as you said and he's left it kind of (laughs) bare in the sense that he's got this money he's got this roster that's flexible he's got to pass some early tests or we'll see how long the Joe Cronin's a nice guy, goes over (laughs) well with the franchise and the fans. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's been given that. And if he doesn't, you know, if he just ends up getting them to be sort of good or not even mediocre, whoo, and then he's going to have to deal with Damian Lillard stuff. So um, I wish him the best. I thought it was interesting that they decided to just kind of, move along with him without um, checking in with other people. Cause I do think there's value in listening to other people talk about your franchise. So uh, I understand why some people might be upset about that because going through a process of listening to people does two things. One, you can learn new things about uh, new perspectives about your organization. And two, you can learn about people that maybe in the future you'll want to bring on board. And so I'm always for the process of, um, talking and interviewing people, even if you have a strong favorite.
2: Yeah, I hear you. And I talked about this on the radio the other day as well. And, and my thing was, okay, number one, Jody Allen and Burt Cole. Like, are they really people who are going to bring a basketball acumen to a search? Like, it almost seems like if they were going to search for a GM, they'd first have to just hire a president and then have that president look for a GM, I think. I don't think that those two are qualified necessarily to look for a GM from a basketball standpoint. They, they're not possessed with great bac- basketball acumen that I know of. So they'd have to hire a president, and then that president might hire a GM. Um, so fr- from if I'm them, from their perspective, if I like Joe, and Joe's been in the business for 15 years, he's been with the Blazers for 15 years, he comes highly recommended, everyone loves him. I just gave him this trial run and he did a lot of things that we're fine with, especially the repeater tax thing. Uh, so why not roll the dice and let him go do his thing? Someone called me, a buddy of mine in the industry, called me a week or two ago and said, "Think about this name, man. I hear the Blazers, you know Scott Perry from the Knicks. He could be someone that the the Blazers go after. You know, you should look into that." I'm like, okay. And I never did because I didn't buy it. Like I just believed that you they were gonna make Cronin the guy because why would you let Cronin do all of these crazy things? I say crazy in a nice way, um, because they were wild, clearly. This is a huge thing they did, tearing things down, trading people for assets, not getting equal value player for player, but hoping you can turn assets into players and tanking to the point of one of the most egregious and well planned tanking jobs ever. <laughs> And let him do all that, and then say, "Oh, well, now we're going to fire another GM, and now give that GM the the table that has been set by Cronin." That didn't make any sense to me that they were going to do that. So we all believed this was going to happen. And my thing is, why can't Cronin be the next uh, next great GM? Why is it we have to go get a big name? And Duck fans drove me nuts nuts with that whole thing with the coaching search. Got to get a big name. Got to get a big name. Why the two greatest seasons in program history? Were orchestrated by two no-name coaches, two guys who were no names. Helt Kelly and then later Helfrich. You don't have to go get some proven guy to come to Portland. And if there's a proven guy out there who has great success, why is he coming to Portland? Isn't he already in a great job? And then also, my thing about NBA GMing is the vast majority of championship teams the last twenty plus years. The GM, I mean, they did some things, but a lot of the times, most of the time, it was about players, superstar players making decisions on where they want to go, and the GM was just sort of along for the ride. Not that they didn't make other good moves, but at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff's luck. I mean, Golden State, clearly a great example. They GM their way to a title, but, you know, Miami, uh, Shaq going to L.A. Not that Jerry West isn't a great GM, but shit, still Shaq went to L.A. Shaq wanted to go to L.A. That wasn't being a great GM. Um, Popovich lucked into Duncan, you know, now Duncan's gone. And what has Popovich done? He's had five years to rebuild this thing since Kawhi, and they're not even in the playoffs. So my point is, why can't Cronin be as lucky or unlucky as any GM ever? If he hit if the lottery pick next week, he goes from six to the second pick and drafts a power forward, who's the next Tim Duncan, was that great GMing or did he luck into that pick? If he If Kevin Durant says, I want out of Brooklyn, I want to go play with Dame, and you orchestrate something to make that happen, are you a great GM or you just got lucky because Durant wanted to come play? You see what I'm saying? So for me, let Cronin do his thing. He clearly has the chops and the smarts to do it. He's just not proven. But for all we know, five years from now, the Lakers are going to come stealing for double the money. We don't know.
1: Like I said, I, I'm cool with Joe Cronin being the GM. I thought that was going to be the, the entire thing. I You talked about people not having basketball, basketball acumen. Uh, the way you learn more um about basketball or anything is listen to experts so that's just my only thing is i i think it wouldn't have hurt to to bring people in but that you know they might have been doing that and we didn't know i mean it's possible uh so i just that's the part of the process that uh, i'm hoping that they did that they did listen to more people um and get different opinions uh and I would also say Mike Bolatti would argue that he had a pretty good year as a Ducks head football coach <laughs> when they might, mm-hmm. you know, before the oh. playoff. <laughs> I'm just saying they lost.
2: They lost one game that year. That's a pretty good year. Uh, oh no, I'm just saying. But the two, the two, the two biggest seasons in program history were 10 and 14.
1: Uh, Joey Harrington might say they
2: went we to pretty the pretty good national title game. They went to the national title game in those years. Anyway, for, <laughs> that's because it was a playoff. Here's the other thing too. No, true. If they had a playoff, they would have been a national championship game in 2001. Yes, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. I, okay. All right. So two of the three greatest <laughs> seasons route oh, Let's just put, do that. Just to put this to bed. But, you know, also, you're, you're letting Cronin play out what he has mapped out for them. He has presented a plan to Coldy and, and Allen, yep. and they clearly are down with the plan. And they'll see what happens. And if it fizzles and fades out and blows up, then you can always fire Cronin, give him two years left on his salary and go hire another GM. I don't think that's a big issue for, I mean, they, they paid, they just paid a uh, what's his face, um, stats last year, not to coach. So th- that happens a lot. So it's not like they're wedded to Cronin forever. Yeah. Just give him a chance to see what happens with his vision. Also, there's a lot of uncertainty still with Dame. I mean, you know, I, I don't believe for a second that if they're not contending or have a chance that Dame's not going to say, Hey man, maybe it's time we part ways so I can go somewhere and win a championship. And so that could start a different type of, of a direction for this team that's that Cronin might be very well equipped to handle, or maybe you move off of Cronin and bring someone else in who knows. But to me, it's like it's not a big deal to me. They didn't do a search, it's not a big deal to me that they didn't sit down with a bunch of people and talk because I don't, I just don't feel like those two necessarily want to be doing that to be honest with you. Yeah. Hey, there's like you said, there's
1: no salary cap for GMs. Right, exactly. <laughs> you can you can you could pay three at the same time I and mean, they got the money, so that, that part is not is not a problem. But uh yeah, and, and when you speak about the plan, uh, and you speak about your plans, uh, you know, you're going to Chicago for, for a reason, and that's the biggest next step in this plan, and some of it will you talk about luck, <laughs> that's what the lottery's all about, baby. Big Pong Paws are gonna be bouncing and if if Cronin can get you know, a little bit of, uh, of luck and he can end up in that top three. Suddenly, you know, he has a lot better
2: chance of being successful quickly, right? 100%. So they're going into this thing with a sixth worst record, sixth best, uh, best odds. They have a 9% chance of getting the first pick, a 9.2% chance of getting the second pick, a 9.4% chance to get the third, and a 9.6% chance to get the fourth. However they have a 29.8% chance of falling back to 7. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. And a 20.5% chance of falling to 8. So, when you add all that stuff up, it's far more likely that they fall backwards to 7 or 8 than it is that they jump into the top four. Uh so clearly you're looking at a situation where you, you know, let's just call it what it is. You could be 8, you could be 1. And that could change ones the better you think? <laughs> that could change the fortunes
1: for everybody. One, two, or three, and hope that someone takes Chet Holmgren. <laughs> that's my, my <laughs> if I'm the Blazers, or i trade out. But yeah, I, I think there's four. You know, you throw Ivy in there, uh, Smith and Caro and Holmgren. I mean, to me, that's what everyone's talking about. Like, if you're not in that top four, you probably, A, you whatever pick you have is not going to be a franchise changer and B, you're not going to, you might struggle uh, if you want to trade out to get value that you need to trade out. So, you know, it's so weird how the brain works. Cause like right now my brain is still fixated on the possibility they'll get a top four pick and then, and what they'll do with that. It has not spent a lot of time with pick nine. You know, like, yeah, so, yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I got no idea.
2: I'm like, I don't know. And I get lucky, you know, try, Could you try find Donovan Mitchell, man, trying to find him. Like, think about it. It's, it's a one in five chance that they end up at eight. Could you, like, not only did they lose the Pelicans pick, but then to end uh, up at eight? Oh, that'd be bad. Like, it's, that would really, st- an eight in a, in, a deep, in a non-deep draft. It's not like it's a deep draft and you got eight. It's a not deep draft, and you end up with it. They do the one thing;
1: they do pick up, you know, the Bucks' future pick. <laughs> you yeah. know, so you got. I'm just saying, but it is a first rounder. You have ammunition You have something, and some teams need to trade for future picks because yeah. they can't do it in that year. So it's not not an asset. Like we we really, uh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat the fact that losing the lottery pick this year doesn't stink. It definitely does, but. He didn't get nothing, you know. Sometimes people, I feel, are saying he got nothing to do. What Aaron Fentris wants to do, which is go get a player, you know, that could uh, a very good NBA player now. That asset could help you get there with if, correct with you know when you combine them with other assets. So um, there's that possibility. Yeah, there.
2: no, I agree because because they, they could trade. They don't have their 2023 20 pick right. that will go to the Bulls, but they have their 2024, 20 and then because the the Bucks pick. Is technically um, would be tradable because it would be an acquired pick. You right. can't trade acquired your own picks
1: pick; or they can't trade it. Right, you can't trade two your own in pick in
2: back-to-back years, but you can trade acquired picks. Um, so they could package the twenty, the two thousand twenty-four, two thousand twenty-five draft picks with what have you to try and get, you know, a Jeremy Grant maybe, or somebody.
1: Yeah, or they can also wait. You know how it is. Once you draft the player, he's no longer a pick. That's why there's so many. Draft day trades, you know what I mean? Right. Like you pick
2: the player, so well, that's they could what pick a player. Two years ago, he picked the right. player for Houston, then traded that the rights to that player and a future first round pick for Covington, right? So in a way, you could end up pick
1: throwing three first round draft picks to a team for a player. You know, like you draft your guy, and then you could send two futures. You know, i, right. I mean, you're getting a little crazy. Though. I'm just saying there's assets there yeah, to do the. Still fe- an asset. I call it the I call it the Fentress Plan. You know, <laughs> where you're going to get Grant, and you're doing it by uh, you know sending future uh, picks or young players, um, right. exactly. and I you know and it'll be interesting. The, the whole thing about predicting what happens with personnel in the nba is that it's it's a joke cuz you can't do it you know there's just so no. much that happens that's so unpredictable at times to see i mean and there's so many teams um that have s- Similar, you know, we're talking about the Blazers that basically have one big-name player that we're pretty sure is not getting traded. Like, we're not only pretty sure, we know he's not getting traded. There are many teams in the NBA with big-name players that are going to get traded. And that'll be interesting because Domino's, you got to you know dominoes will fall it doesn't mean the blazers is going to get Donovan Mitchell but it does mean somebody might and that'll cause them to move things so the domino effect in the nba is amazing sometimes and it's kind of you know how the blazers have luck you know nurkic is a perfect example of a domino effect i mean they got him for nothing cuz the pacers had to move off him you know uh, and sometimes that happens you just wind up being in the right place at the right time to either get assets or get a player that can change your franchise. You're talking about the I mean, draft. That's half lo- full, baby. A, a lot of people half have talk full. About
2: the, a lot of people like to talk about the 2017 draft because the Blazers took Collins and that didn't work out, mainly because of injuries. But like the top three players in that draft went three, 13, and 14. Yeah. Those are the top three. and Tatum, Donovan, and Bam. And then even John Collins... Ray as the fifth, him and Jared Allen were four or five. Jared Allen, 22nd, and Collins, 19. That's how I mean, think about that. Those are the top five players, and then ball, Darren oh, Fox, pretty good. So, those are the top good. seven players. Of the top seven players, four went 13 or lower. <laughs> and then you yeah, think about right. all these other players, like who went higher, and it's just it, it's such a crapshoot. And it's like that for er- almost every draft. Hardly, any, hardly ever do drafts go even close to number one pick is the best player, the number two best player is the second pick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's always wild. So the Blazers, loves...
1: fra- the be- best player in Blazers franchise history, probably, you know, or debatably is not, a, was not a top five pick. You know, I mean. Yeah, the
2: best, yeah, the best, two of the best three were not.
1: Counting Clyde. You talked about the Warriors. They have three players that, are, none of them were top five picks. Right. Yeah, one was a second round pick. I mean, that's just, that's the kind of thing that, and is it lucky or is it great GMing? I don't know. I just know it's probably a combination of both. But you pick Draymond Green in the second round, and he completely changes your franchise. Um, you take Steph Curry uh, because he falls past the top five, and um, and then you take Clay Thompson. You know, out, you know, deep in the lottery, and you you win multiple titles and 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 are a dominant have yeah. a dominant but, decade. But, like,
2: but here's here's what I always Blazers say.
1: haven't done it. They haven't if followed it up.
2: If the Warriors knew Curry was going to be that good, they'd have traded up to get him.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. There's some luck yeah. in there. Yeah. You know, the Blazers, they picked two, you know, two players under Olshea's rule were franchise changing. You know, CJ did get there enough to, you know, make them a very good, um, consistent team. He wasn't He Was, th- was he, he 13th? Was he 13th? Yeah. It was, I thought he was 11. Ten. Thought he was
2: eleven. I was going to call okay. him thirteen for whatever it is. he was ten. Yeah. Um, uh, but
1: I'm just saying, not a top five pick. But he wasn't. Uh, you know, he wasn't Steph Curry. He wasn't even Clay Thompson. You know, so because uh, people forget how you know Clay can really play some D, and that that helps you win titles. So, and he definitely matters. wasn't Draymond Green. But Draymond Green's a unicorn. You know, we use that term unicorn. There's no player like Draymond Green. Guy can't shoot. <laughs> you know, he can't, he doesn't, he guards centers and plays point guard. Like what, what is that? That's crazy. Uh, and so, you know, you find a player like that and get ridiculously lucky and he stays there for a decade and that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen on, on draft night and the you'll celebrate the top three pick and we well, if they get it and you well, we well know that could bust, but you know, that's why they have a lottery because it's fun and you get to go to Chicago. <laughs> That's and all that go. matters, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Gracious. Okay. I love that. Uh, so obviously we will um, we will definitely review everything again draft wise post lottery. It'll either be a exciting show. Oh my god, what are they gonna do with the number two pick? Or it's gonna be like wah, wah, wah. eighth pick. <laughs> <big. laughs> you are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break.
1: despite what he tries to uh, to joke about, uh, about not not really wanting to work. He does work. You know, you do work. <laughs> and uh, last couple of weeks you've been doing the old uh, review and looking ahead with the, the, the current roster and the whatever roster, the roster we ended with, um, <laughs> and trying to uh, kind of grade them out. And then more importantly, I think, is look at whether or not you think they have a future in a Blazers uniform and you put it into, you basically did it in you have four categories, fringe players, names you know, uh, rotational <laughs> players, and of course, what you consider to be stars. And I, you were very generous with the term stars. I'll just say that category. Uh, some is current. What? Some is potential. Nurkic
2: uh, is no, never no, going to be a star, but we can On this team, that. he's a star. Okay. because it impact star player I, on this team? I would say I starter. Like I would I would add T E R.
1: That's what I would do on that. But uh, let's start with the fringe players. And okay. nobody ended nobody ended the season uh, with more fringe players than the Portland Trail Blazers. Oh my God, I think dude. that's fair.
2: Um dude, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fringe players.
1: Which is insane? It's insane because it's, <laughs> it's it's insane. not actually possible to have eight fringe players when you have when
2: you usually have, when you usually have a ten man rotation. <laughs> That's not even counting Brandon Williams, who I left off of here. What have it anyway? Yeah, uh, you did. But yeah. but he has he has on a two way deal, so I, he should be in the names you know. Did I put him in the list? You did not. Okay, so Brandon Williams is in the name you know list. Yes. Yeah. So and I'll him. say about Brandon Williams. Uh,
1: he uh if he plays a lot it's not good news (laughs) there you go there i've done it i've done it uh let's start with the fringe players and i'm just going to list them quickly and then you're going to tell me if any of them have a future bledsoe Dee, of course Troutdale shack drew eubanks perry chris dunn joe inglis which i i think people want to talk about Blevins, and Elijah Hughes. Who do you think there's a, cha- a chance to be on the roster next year?
2: So Soul, no way. They're, they're going to eat that. No chance. They're going to buy him out or trade his contract. He didn't even play this year. Reggie Perry, I think he maybe goes to summer league, maybe goes into camp, but no, he shouldn't make your roster. Ingles is interesting. He's going to be out with his injury, so he probably wouldn't even be eligible to play in February, but... I he could won't. see value in giving him the minimum and stashing him on your roster, and then you get back a guy who has a good defensive rating, who can hit the three, and is a tough, hard-nosed bench guy. I mean, I could totally see a situation where they could do something like that. Elijah Hughes, nah. I think I think Lozada is he under a contract? Let me check him real quick. I think he might be a guy who has yeah. contract situation where as of right now they might not have a choice unless they unless they move him. Well, you always got a choice with players like that, right? Cuz he could be he can at some point you're going
1: to have a deal and you can Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, him. I mean
2: I mean aside from a trade a trade changes anything, but he's under contract for next year. He's going to make uh 1.9 million. So Good for him. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he has a chance to be back just cuz of that, but I don't see him ever cracking the lineup. Blevins has the cousin connection with Dame, so there's that possibility. I kind of like Dunn in a lot of ways because he brings you defense, but they've already signed. Yeah, Dunn can play. He's an NBA basketball player. Yeah, but they've already signed Brandon Williams to a two-way deal. So right now he's your third point guard. So, so that leaves him. no room for Dunn really. Uh, did you mention Eubanks? Or he's, or he, I did. Eubanks? That's, no. yeah, okay. That's Eubanks, f- Eubanks is a guy that like, hey, if he's your third center, if he's your third center and also can fill in that power forward, I st- I think you need to go get a true backup center, because- but I think if he's your third guy, why not on a fifteen man roster? I I keep that guy around. Uh
1: one hundred percent. I mean, he's exactly what you want for a guy that only plays sparingly. He gives you energy. Uh, he's athletic. He plays hard. He's athletic. Uh, yeah, but the the problem is, is that right now he's your two, and you don't have a lot of money for you know. There's not not every team has a third center anymore that can't shoot. Um, <laughs>
2: so it's just the truth. Well right? they were able to go they were able to go out and get Cody Zeller last year. So someone like that yeah. could maybe be your true backup and then Eubanks and they can compete for those true backup minutes or whatever. Or maybe they'll say Eubanks was just as good as Zeller. We'll keep him as the backup and Watford's our third guy. And then if anything really happens on Nurk, we'll go out and try and find someone. Or maybe you do like a midseason trade for, to bring in someone like Cantor down the road or something. Not not Cantor per se, but someone like that at some point. But I could totally see Eubanks having a shot to stick around.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my thing is if he's not your two, you know, there's just not a lot of that in the NBA anymore. Like seven, you know, six, ten, seven seven footers that uh, can't come in and give you offense. You know, you just don't look at uh, that's basically what you use those spots for is bringing guys who can shoot. So, um, but I love having Drew. I mean, it's great to have Drew Eubanks, a local kid um, with NBA skills. You know, he's definitely not a starter. He's definitely not a, you know, even a guy that you want. Necessarily as a rotational player, but uh, um, he's not an embarrassment. <laughs> so there's that. Um, yeah, I think right. it's fair to to basically say from that group, maybe one one of them will be on the roster, you know, in some capacity. Two, and if you're at two or three, then your uh, your roster is not good. <laughs> so let's just be honest. Um, we'll move up to names let's, let's, you know.
2: Let's go ahead. Yeah, names you know. I, I added Williams and Mclemore.
1: Okay, and. Yeah. And I think that's an example of why I would think like you don't have a Eubanks because you might have a McLemore if you're going to weigh down there on the bench. But uh, so um, all these guys that we're about to uh, speak on got significant minutes at some point. If not, I think every one of them started, right? <laughs> and, uh the Blazers versus uh, Ellaby, Greg <laughs> yeah. Brown. No, they all did. I
2: started. Don't, don't you remember I started
1: again? <laughs> that's right. You almost did. Someone uh, asked
2: who's going to be your starting center and Johnson said, "Aaron Fentress, I was the starting center for 30 seconds, uh, and uh, and you know you <laughs> produced as many points as you would have if you
1: played 40 minutes." Elobi uh, <laughs> Brown, oh, K- okay. Keon okay. Watford,
2: what? You're fuck. You're
1: like a 50 year old man. I would have scored. Would <laughs> have have
2: scored. scored. <laughs> oh come I on! I would have scored. Are you kidding? Me? You're crazy. <laughs> no, I'm Just not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, you would have
1: scored when, the the when you were 22.
2: You were what to wow. scored when you were
1: 22. Anyway, wow. Ellaby, Brown, Keon, Watford, Williams, Macklemore. Um, I think it's fair to say Greg Brown's coming back. You know, he's he's, you know, in some capacity. If there's no trade, uh, you're definitely bringing Keon back and hoping for improvement. Uh, Watford's coming back, right? And then, uh, right? I mean, don't you think those three names are definitely going to be back?
2: Um, well, Keon for sure. Watford got signed to a new deal. Uh, Brandon Williams is on a two-year deal. Greg Brown is under contract and showed a lot of upside. I believe. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to be great, but he's so athletic and his shooting started to come around. L.O.B., I mean, LLB, I, I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence with him, and I kind of don't see Macklemore being back. Possible, but you need more size in the backcourt, dude. Go find a six-foot-five guard who can be your emergency two guard not someone six two six three they need to get bigger
1: yeah and he pl- he does what the other guys do like you're not taking ant out for shooting you know what i mean you're not taking dame out for shooting so and that that's kind of what macklemore does best so uh he's supposed to be a better defensive player than we saw last year but i mean it's hard to judge anybody on how they play defense in significant minutes with the blazers in the second half of the year
2: everyone's defensive rating was yeah. just abysmal but like you look yeah. at someone like uh, winslow 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 so oh, with the Blazers, had a one sixteen defensive rating, but with the Clippers, it was one hundred. Yeah, because he's a <laughs> right. That's kind of what I'm saying. He was surrounded by other guys who were actually playing defense, and that impacts you no matter how good or bad you are. I, so. Look, I you know you named, um,
1: I there's no way. I mean, at some point in time, all the the group and the names, you know, at some point to get better, you're gonna have to give up young talent. And so Greg Brown might go out, you know, so some of this, what we're talking about is if, if they just draft a guy and and go and move on from there, because I just do, you know, believe that that is not what's going to happen. I think they're going to, uh, make trades, um, whether or not they'll be ones that'll get them a, another all-star. I don't know, but at some point, uh, you got to move bodies out and you can't have everybody, but, um, I don't love anybody on that on the list of names. You know, I mean, I just I loved how Watford played. I think he earned a contract at a level in which you hope that he's going to give you, um, you know, twelve minutes a night, and on big nights he'll give you twenty-two. You know, on, on when things happen. But I don't, uh, I, and I love you know who doesn't you don't watch like you? I Look what I saw. I, I, I like the fact that he was a first round draft pick and he's 19. I like the fact that he has potential, but no, I, I, he wasn't good enough to play on a good team yet. So no, I don't love him. And I wouldn't, I would I would, if you traded him and five years later you asked me about him, I'd forget about him. I'd be like, Oh yeah, he was there. That, that ridiculous, you know, three months that I, you know, that we barely watched the games. Um, but no, I mean, I understand why you go get him. I understand why they love him. And look, if he if he goes to summer league and he shoots, you know, 39% or 43% from three and is playing a hybrid point guard position, suddenly I'm like, okay, now we got somebody. But from what I saw before, I'm not, I'm not going to miss him at all. Um, but I'm hopeful because that whole trade situation looks a whole lot better If he's he's a significant contributor when he's 22, you know, and there's potential for that or else he wouldn't have gotten drafted in the first round with, you know, very, with a very short resume. So that's my opinion on that. Rotational players, Winslow, Nasir, Hart. I think they're all going to be on the
2: team and I think that's a fine bench. Your thoughts? All right, before I get to that, let me just say I'm a big Keon guy. I'm putting it on record right now. I think he's going to develop as a shooter to go along with his athleticism and become a pretty solid NBA player. Anyway, as far as Winslow Nasir and uh, Hart, you know that's that's part of your nucleus moving forward. Unless I, I don't think they're going to find a better small forward and a better power forward. I think they're going to target power forward and not necessarily get another starting small forward. I think the starting small forward is going to be either. Uh, Hart or Nasir. I think if one of those guys is starting and one's coming off the bench, I think you're pretty good at that spot. I don't think you can complain. They they give you a lot of defense. They give you a lot of energy. Uh, especially Hart can score uh, when needed. If he's your third or fourth option on offense or if Nasir is, I think you're fine. Especially, I mean, shoot, if they get Jeremy Grant, then then that small forward guy is probably your fifth option on offense. Because you're going to want Grant to be an offensive, have offensive impact. You know Nurkic can, and of course Ant and Dame. So I love the small four situation. And Winslow, you know, they get him in the trade with L.A., and to me, he basically replaces Covington. He can't shoot like Covington, but he does everything else as good or better than Covington. Billups loves him, thinks he's the perfect kind of guy to come off the bench or power forward. So I like those three as long as only one is starting. All right, I'll give you that. I said bench completely,
1: but if one of them's starting, I think you're good. If they're all uh, and and year Little, there's an upside still that we haven't seen. He's just been so bit by the injury bug that it's been right. hard to really see what his final product is. I think people are super high on him, uh, and I love him. I love his energy. Um, I love when he plays, but there is a point in which you have to be dependable, and that's a tough thing. Uh, it's a tough you know, thing to really wrap your, ha- you know, hands around because injuries happen. But they do seem to happen to some people more than others. So hopefully he stays healthy and he continues to shoot uh, better and better. Because in this, in this current NBA, um, a guy like him, value uh, to keep him on the floor increases a great deal if he can shoot right around, you know, above 35%, at least from three. Right. Um, and I love Winslow the The way he guarded people with nobody else guarding was impressive like that one I mean I, don't get me wrong it's all about the Laker game when he guarded LeBron and I was like he's awesome you know like yeah. <laughs> that one four game stretch that we saw uh, defense uh, but I, I, I you know he, he was a you know he's a big time high school player he's a big time you know recruit Um, and he's really has found Uh, he's realized that he's a role player in the NBA and That's You need good, solid role players to have a successful team. So I'm down with that. If one of them's starting, they're fine. Um, Of course, now we'll get to the stars (laughs) slash starters. Dame Ant and Nurkic. Well, Dame Ant and Nurkic. Obviously, Dame's coming back. There's nothing really to talk about there until there's something to talk about. Uh, And Ant and Nurk, they both have contract situations where it's a guarantee. But uh, if Joe Cronin's plan... Does not include bringing uh, Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic back.
2: I don't know what his plan is. You? <laughs> no, of course. I mean, there's there's no way they don't didn't have a wink, wink deal in place with Nurkic. Uh, otherwise if you're Durkic and you're playing for a contract from someone else or playing to increase your value, you don't agree to plantar fasciitis. Like you know, <laughs> especially when you were just killing right. it before the all-star break, and then magically you got plantar fasciitis, right? Uh same thing with ant, you know, they shut down ant as well. You know, if I'm ant and I'm playing for a contract from someone else, I'm not getting shut down because I allegedly had a knee thing that no one saw happen. Um so yeah, <laughs> those two are definitely a part of the plans, a big big part of their plans. They like Nurkic. They like his potential. They like his fit. Clearly, the thing with Nurkic is, I think people expected him to be better than he is at this point, but he's still just entering his prime. He still has a lot of potential. And who, who are you going to get that's better? Like, seriously, wait. Like, there's no center. I mean, DeAndre Aiden's going to be a free agent. He'll be restricted at best. There's no way that the Suns are letting him go. Uh, so he's your best option center. You keep him. So that's a no-brainer. And then Simons, I mean, we all know how I feel about Simons. Simons is definitely on his way to being a star. There's this talk out there about, you know, could Zach Levine be in play for the Blazers? I think that's just ridiculousness. And I think something like that, if I'm the Bulls and I do a sign and trade, I want Simons back. And if I'm the Blazers, I'm not giving up Simons for the right to pay Zach Levine forty million a year. So that's how good I think Simons is. Those two are... Huge parts of their future, and they both have to grow as players if the Blazers are going to have a chance to even pretend to contend. Oh, that's a, that's bars. <laughs> what um, what I'm interested about Nurkic is
1: how will he come back under under Billups? You know, what did they talk about? Um, and where is he? Where is where are his physical limitations based on the injuries? You know, because. He was a different player before his leg snapped. There's no doubt, but he came back really out of shape after the you know the pandemic year, and then last year um, he showed a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, but is there a potential for him to come back really healthy, understand the system that Phillips wants him to play in, and become uh, you know? the player that he was for the brief time uh, before the major injury. And because to me, if you have three players that are either all-star level or right below, which is where, you know, when he was putting up 30 and 20 for a little bit, you know, that's where Nurkic was showing some stuff. Um, but I also think he struggled to find his way in, in difference in Stotts' system. And then, um, you know, refine his way with, it's hard to play center when and be a significant offensive force when you have two guards that play so much with the basketball. Now I don't know how much difference it's going to be with Simons because there's a similar similar skill set, but there is a different coach. So does he find a way to do what the Suns do at times? You know, with similar, you know, they get eight in the ball um, and and run offense for him, or can Nurkic be? he's shown signs of being a really good passer. Um so can he become more of a facilitator in the offense uh where other teams have found ways to do that. So uh but yeah, I think that unless if those 3 are at their best and you add, you know, that Grant, suddenly you're you're at you're at 45 to 50 wins, right? I mean and I and then uh, knocked out in the second round of the playoffs. So there you go. <laughs>
2: So here's the thing with the red flag with Nurk for me, is that he excelled after Dane was out, CJ was out, they moved Powell, and suddenly, even before they moved Powell and he missed some games, and even before they moved CJ, he missed some games, and CJ came back. Nurk was a big part of the offense, and so he thrived. But before that, when he wasn't a big part of the offense, he was not happy. And then his no. effort dips, which is why a couple of times there were a couple of games where Billups, but there was one game where Billups didn't play him at all in the fourth quarter and went with a different lineup. Now he said was matchups and maybe it was, that's fine. But to me, most of the time, Nurkic should be the matchup issue given his size and his, his skill set. So my thing is moving forward is, okay, they go get Jeremy Grant and you got Dame, Ant, Hart, Grant, Nurkic, Grant at best is probably going to be, excuse me, Nurkic at best is going to be the third option at best. I think he'll more than likely be fourth. If he's fourth, is he going to be okay with that? Because the toughest thing for a big man to do who has talent and thinks he should be able to score is to be playing with guards who just want to shoot a lot. Because you run, you run all, you play defense, you protect the rim, you get the rebound, you outlet it. You run all the way down the court to watch some guard do a step back three with 12 seconds to go on the shot clock. And then he misses it. You don't get the rebound. Now you've got to run all the way back down the court and be expected to defend the rim when that same guard is getting roasted in the, on the perimeter. So those, those types of centers, I mean, Shaq used to talk about this. What was Shaq thing? you got to feed the junkyard dog if you want him to guard the house or something like that. I'm making, I'm making that up. But it was something like yeah. that. Give him the ball. Uh, so that's my thing with Nurkis. Like if he's only getting eight or nine shots a game, 10 shots a game and averaging 12 points, Is he going to be upset? Or how about this? Maybe he won't care as much anymore because he will already have gotten his new contract. So he's getting paid. So I I said, I won't care as much because maybe part of what he cared about was playing his way into some money. If he has a five-year deal worth $100 million, is he going to worry as much about his stats? Or is he going to accept his role because that role has already been Laid out for him. We're gonna pay you X. Here's your role. He's like, cool. So now he averages 13 and 8 instead of 19 and 11. He's cool with that, though. So that would be my hope. The problem with that second scenario is it just
1: doesn't usually exist. You know, there aren't a lot of guys that, uh, in their prime, accept once you know are cool just because they get the money. You know, but. I agree. I don't know how – that's why I said that. I don't know how they find um, a way to make Nurk happy in a offensive system that is similar to what existed before because its fourth option is not – Nurkic is a – he's a fine defensive player, but it's not where he lives. You know, what he loves – what he lives on is – He loves to, you know, to get the ball and he can pound, you know what I mean? It's just not the way the NBA games played a lot lately, you know? Um, So that's the weird thing about the position with it. And it's why paying him five years, $100 million, um, it's a huge, it's a risk because if you get five years of a not engaged (laughs) nerd. (laughs) <laughs> that's not gonna be good. You know? No, that's not. a lot of that's a lot of cap space for a guy that, you know, has to be good.
2: So Well he's gonna sign over that, the cap, but yeah.
1: Right but, but I'm just right, yeah. but I'm just saying like no one's gonna pit, take him back. I'm <laughs> you know, like, oh I love the guy that's complaining about not getting the ball because, you know, Dame's got it or or isn't playing well or is out of shape. So uh but step one, ping pong balls, and that's where you're headed. <laughs> it's all That's about true. the ping pong balls.
2: <laughs> and, and one other thing, you know, Billups' whole plan has been he wants the ball moving, and he likes Nurkic's skill set that he can he can pass with the ball. Uh, so if they can get an offense where they're not you don't have Damon and, and uh, Ant coming down and jacking up a lot of early shots, <clears throat> instead you're actually running an offense. Then at the very least, Nurkic is going to touch the ball, and then he has a chance when he touches the ball to either if he if he's got the advantage, you know, take it to the basket, try and make a play. Or if he doesn't make a pass and set someone else up, I think I think if he makes a pass that leads to a basket, I think he's happy because he was a part of the, of the offense. I think where he's upset is if he comes down and watches Damon Ant just jack up shots. That's gonna be the thing that I think causes him to pout. So hopefully they can work that out because I do think also that they have to get away from you know the way they played two years ago where they were just firing at will all the time from three under stots. It produced a lot of points. It produced some exciting offense. Dame had an MVP caliber, caliber season, but that's not how they want to play moving forward. So we'll see. Uh, let's get to Ant real quick before you have to. we have to go here. Um, oh. We all know we're not going to talk about Dame. Dame's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Ant, Ant's development is going to be the difference between whether or not they win 50 or win 45. If Ant can be CJ level but more athletic, and I do think Ant is going to be a decent defender because I think he wants to defend. I think he's he's going to be a lump of clay that Billups is going to be able to mold, and he doesn't have really bad defensive habits because he's still so young. I think Ant takes the next step defensively and offensively, and he is going to be the reason why they're going to have a chance to win 50 games. That and if they get a power forward. I mean, I hate doing it, but yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> I know it. I
1: mean, you know it. That's true. That's true. I mean, there's a lot, a lot riding on Anthony Simons going from potential – to borderline
2: all-star. I think that's that's the facts, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course nothing matters unless Dame becomes healthy or it's 100% healthy, which I think he will be, and I think Dame's going to be on a mission to destroy, but a reserved mission to destroy. I don't think he's going to try and score 30. I think he's going to stay right on around 25-26, maybe touch up his percentages better, a little bit and touch up his uh, assist total better and that'll make them a better team. All right. We good? We are good. We're signing off here. I'm Aaron Fentress. He's Craig Burnback. Be sure to join us next week where I will be in Chicago doing this podcast from Wrigley Field (laughs) post-lottery. I should try to do that. That'd be awesome. But we will be doing a podcast post-lottery, hopefully next Wednesday or Thursday. So be sure to check back in to see what we think the Blazers are going to do with that pick once it's cemented and all set in stone. Mixing cliches. Thanks for listening.